welcome to ISA's Arborviews podcast, a series bringing you conversations with researchers and tree care experts about current issues in arboriculture. I'm Philip Van Wassner, your host on this episode of Arborviews. I'm joined now by Cecil Kneinendijk van den Bosch. Cecil is head of the Department of Landscape Architecture, Planning and Management at the Swedish University of Agricultural Sciences. He's also a part-time professor of green space management at the University of Copenhagen. Cecil is the editor-in-chief of the scientific journal Urban Forestry and Urban Greening, and today we'll be talking about urban forestry research in Europe. So welcome again to Toronto, Cecil. It's Thanks nice very to much. see you, and uh, we are very pleased to have you here as, as part of the conference this year. Thanks, Philip. And um, Cecil has, has done extensive research and publication in the field of urban forestry in Europe, and so I'd like to ask you the first question, what, what type of implications do you see the research in Europe has had on urban forestry policy and practice in the time that you've been involved? It's a, it's a very interesting question. I think we uh, in Europe have been able to uh, to make a nice kind of uh, amalgate between the North, North American approach to urban forestry and our own European approach, uh, which meant has meant that we have focused not only on, on city trees, urban trees, but also very much on, uh, on urban woodlands and, and afforestation in urban areas. So I think here the research has really helped to make a strong case for uh, for more trees and more forests in and near our cities. We have really been looking a lot at the sociocultural aspects, for example, how people are relating to trees and forests, how we can pe get people involved in, in urban forestry decision making, but also some of the, the quantification of the benefits, economic studies on, on house price raises and so have really had an impact, I think. Countries like the Netherlands and, and UK, Ireland and others have really uh, increased their urban forest cover during recent years. And do you think that the, the research has had a direct effect on, on policy? Uh, has there been an increase in policy, let's say perhaps in protective policy or management policy towards urban forestry because of this increased awareness? I, I would say so. I think uh, maybe on country basis, in some countries it has really had an impact. I know, for example, the UK is a good example of that, where research has really been fed into uh, to policy making. Also at the European level, we have seen that uh, the EC, European Commission, has taken initiatives in this direction. They have, had organi they have organized uh, urban forestry activities, they have developed a green infrastructure strategy. So we can see there are things happening there. And I think in general there's a high awareness of the importance of green spaces, trees and, and forest in the city. Well, of course, in Europe, as opposed to North America, we, you have a much higher density of human population on the, on the land. Uh, we, we benefit from, from vast spaces in between. But right. what, I've, what I've noted, especially in, in our, where we are right now in southern Ontario, is that um, our intensity of human habitation is equal or, or larger when, where we really concentrate than, than in Europe. So I think we have a lot of... As you mentioned at the beginning, there's been an amalgamation of the different perspectives, but I think there's still lots of room for cross-fertilization of ideas from, from European practice back over to North America. I fully agree, yeah. So you have, as I mentioned before, you've done fairly extensive research in this realm. What kind of observations or conclusions have you drawn from that research about how people who live in that urban forest perceive, use, and relate to forest and trees? Uh, that's a very interesting research topic, and we have only scratched uh, the surface of it, I think, in some ways. But it's very clear that we cannot just uh, talk about the public, for example, when we talk about urban trees and urban forests. It's a very complex uh, issue. There's a lot of relationships there between different people of different ages, uh, people of different ethnicities. Um, we really see very interesting relationships there. 
Um, and of course, in many European countries, like in North America, we, we're facing um, a lot of uh, immigration, so we our societies become multicultural, which also have meant that uh, people's views on trees and urban forests have changed and are different. And we need to be very much aware of that. Uh, I will present um, uh, it's at several occasions some of this work on, on ethnic minorities, uh, different cultures, and, and urban forests that show really that trees can also be a vehicle for integrating people in societies. And here I think actually some of the work done in North America is very interesting, work done by, for example, Andy Kenny on, um, on ethnic uh, groups in, in Toronto, etc. Can you share with our, with our audience some of those where you see those differences? There's, I, I just quickly perceive that you know, in Europe in general there has been sort of a veneration of trees, they've been you know, incorporated with the, like you mentioned, community forests, etc. Where do you see different views or conflicting views that might might be different from that? Where where you know what kind of cultural influences are we seeing from other places in that regard? I think one very good example here is, is how people use urban forest, urban woodlands. So we know that people from, for example, uh, the Middle East and so are maybe less used to using uh, urban forest or going for recreation. And they have also expressed in, in, in studies that they are often afraid to go into the forest because they associate forest with uh, wild, wild places, with wild animals. So there's also an educational task there often. Um, and research, uh, research in Holland has shown that after two or three generations, people actually start adapting or start uh, becoming more like the native populations in terms of using the forest. So they, they start repeat or you could say copying the behavior and, uh, and lose the fear, the traditional fear they have often of forests. One of the things that I've observed here in Toronto, because we benefit from a very multicultural society here, and, and specifically in Toronto, is that in some some communities there is a sort of a focus on, on agriculture rather mm. than on on aesthetics and benefits from trees. And have you seen that conflict elsewhere? Yeah, I, I definitely. And I think actually that conflict is, is uh, I would say it's actually an opportunity in many ways because you can actually use community gardening, uh, social farming, so, uh, so to bring people into uh, green space activities and urban forestry activities. So community gardening is becoming very popular in many parts of Europe. Interesting enough, in, in Eastern European countries, there's of course a very long tradition of that. So uh, all the way through, through communist times, people have been growing their own vegetables. So in the city, and uh, also when communist uh, communism ended, people had a need to, sup to, to supplement their diets. So there are some interesting uh, lines there, and I think actually we lack good research on, on, on this. So this would be one of the, the new topics, I think, that we should look, look into. Not in the least also the whole cultural dimension of that. Okay. Um, and I mentioned earlier in, in the introduction that you've, you are the editor of Urban Forestry and Urban Greening, and you, thankfully, thank you very much for taking that role and doing such a great job. What have you perceived as, as the, the journal um, doing in negotiating sort of the ever-changing perception of urban trees? Do you think that the journal has, you've, you've been there since the beginning, has it, have you seen that having some kind of influence uh, so mm. far? Yeah, it, of course it's a bit difficult to say after only 12 years, which right. is rel relatively young still as a journal. But uh, I think uh, we have helped to, 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 uh, to bring to maturity some of the research uh, within urban forestry, within urban greening as well. And, and one of the topics I think where we have had a lot of interesting articles is on the socio-cultural issues. Starting off very basically often with how many people are using different urban forests and green spaces, but now also looking into some of the more psychological relationships between trees and, and people and not in the least the health and, and well-being impacts of a urban forest. Um, there, of course, there's a very obvious impact. Just people that can see trees or watch trees can actually be uh, less stressed, as we know from, from a lot of research. And I think here we really have uh, 
I think supported or enriched, especially those social cultural policy dimensions of urban forest research. So I think that's, that's one of the things I'm personally quite uh, quite happy with. Well, I've seen. I, I think the one topic you just touched on is is human health, and mm. I think that um, as advocates for the urban forest, it's something that we're seeing uh, an increasing need to focus on because traditionally here in North America, urban forestry is is not as uh, uh, let's say in in the forefront a whole concept of green infrastructure competing with with uh, policing, with ambulances, mm. with all of those other things that have to happen. Um, we, we are starting to see that uh, human health is, is being impacted when we're losing forests. So there's a very interesting study that came out recently from uh, somewhere in Michigan where uh, the emerald ash borer came through and they started to see, as soon as all the ash were gone, they started to see increases in, in um, breathing issues and, and other other human health issues. So I think we are increasingly seeing that uh, you know, what we always say is the urban forest is the one that everybody lives among. So we should, exactly. should, yeah. should be paying it more attention. Um, what's, what do you think the impact of residents? Because we always talk, well, in North America, we see a lot of times people have a concept that urban forestry is what, what the city does with trees, that's urban forestry. But I think you would know as well as I that urban forestry is much more than that. And, mm. and in fact, um, the residents, the private owners of the urban forest own 85, 90% of the urban forest in many cases. So what do you think, do you see in Europe or in your, in your general observations that, that residents have been having some effect in, in urban forestry policy and practice? I would definitely say so, and uh, there's, there's some research, research going on, I think, especially on these public involvement issues. And um, yeah, we can see that, that, that residents are claiming more and more responsibility for taking care of urban forest and, and, and trees. Um, I think some interesting aspect is that we're going a little bit back to some of the old traditional uh, perspectives of the commons, where local communities rather than uh, governments would, would manage uh, tree resources. And I think uh, it was Andy Kenny who actually coined recently the term of the inverse commons saying that people privately own trees and forests but actually contribute with public uh, benefits. So I think there's some interesting uh, uh, ideas and concepts there about how we bring people on and even in some cases delegate full responsibility for trees and forests to local communities. Yeah, it's a, it's a field where, where we're always looking for new ways. You know, when we're working with communities, we are the, the uh, edu public education, public outreach is always a, a part of each one of those plans. Recently, one of one of uh, my colleagues who we were working with said, "Well, don't you think we should be putting that as number one at the front?" And exactly, yeah. in many ways, we should be. But when we're working with the municipality, they see their own personal responsibilities needing to be addressed uh, sooner. But I think it's a really important aspect that that we as arborists and urban foresters need to keep working on is engaging those those communities and the residents who. You know, I say they own all the urban forest. Right. <laughs> they own what they own, and their taxes pay for how the rest of it is taken care of. So very true. And I think there, of course, we as experts, arborists, urban foresters, we have a, a very interesting role to play because we do have expertise, of course, very important expertise. We just have to bring it in, I think, into a different kind of context of decision making. Mm -hmm. So if we're ready to take on that role and become better in communicating as well, I think there's a very bright future for us there. So, 
what are what are some of the benefits or perhaps some of the challenges of, of urban forest governance? So we have different we have these different entities that, that look over the urban forest. What do you see as some of the challenges because of that? Yeah, I think it's very interesting. I think in general we can see a shift away from governance by government, where public bodies, municipalities, uh, states, etc., have taken care of the urban forest, to um, to governance with government, to say the least. So mixed, more mixed decision-making approaches where interest groups and local communities play a role. And in some cases, even governance without government, of course, we've, we've spoken about that. But governance is also very complex. There's a lot of decision-making structures, a lot of actors, a lot of people involved in it. So we have to find some way of, of finding our way through that and also securing the, um, the sustainability, the survival of the urban forest, of course. So, um, and here we as experts have a very important role to play, to supply information to decision-making, to governance contexts. So we don't run into let's say, power games or uh, going for short-term interests. Um, because, of course, one should less listen to, to, uh, to users, but uh, we should also bring in, as I said, the expertise and, and the knowledge we have. So I think there, there is actually a big challenge of how to uh, secure the long-term sustainability of the urban forest. Absolutely. Now, one of the things which we here in Canada always lament with our urban forestry is that we, we don't have any federal agency or support. Mm. We don't have provincial support to a large extent and so in the end the management or the success or failure or sustainability of the urban forest rests on the municipality that's taking care of it. it. Is that different in Europe? Is there better mechanisms? You've mentioned that you know, there's the EU and so on. So can you just talk a little bit about mm. how urban forestry is supported across that different governance? Again, it, it differs very much between the different countries and even different regions in Europe, but there, there are definitely good examples of how uh, regional as well as national governments are more supportive and, and providing funds, uh, policy guidelines and so for local municipalities. Uh, but in many countries, I have to say, the situation is unfortunately similar to Canada, uh, where there is no federal uh, and either regional support. So hopefully, um, I think also the European Commission there will play a role in, in providing some guidelines and, and working on, for example, its green infrastructure policy. Uh, because we really need it. Municipalities now are often left alone and in many cases do a good job, but in other cases maybe a less good job. So here I think really we need uh, more, maybe also even international exchange of policy guidelines. That's really interesting you just mentioned that because my next question was going to be you have uh, I know you well and I know that you have the opportunity to travel and, and, and because of your role as the editor you, it's very international so we've spoken about Europe and, and our North American perspective can you what's going on elsewhere is there is there places where where there's other uh, urban forestry activity that maybe we should be looking to and engaging more or learning from Absolutely. I mean, just in the past 12 years of urban forestry, urban greening, we've seen a, a dramatic increase in articles coming from Asia, for example. Uh, places like China have really picked up on, on urban forestry, have integrated it into its national policies as well. So they really try to come with some, some best practice guidelines, some norms and so. And some of that, I think, could be interesting for us to look at. But also, uh, Latin America is recently really uh, jumping on the wagon there of urban forestry and trying to, to develop things, not in least Oceania, Australia, New Zealand. I think it would be really uh, interesting to do a comparative study of policy developments and see how different countries are, are facing the challenge that, that uh, cities are, are having today. You need to find a PhD student. To Absolutely, <laughs> yeah, and some funds to, to support that. <laughs> support that, so the challenges are always there. Well, Cecil, it's been wonderful to have you here for this interview. Uh, is there any other, from your research uh, or from your perspective, anything else that you would want to share to our listeners in, in terms of where we are with urban forestry today and where we want to go? 
Uh, I think maybe one one issue, and it comes back, I think, to some of the things we talked about, is that really all arborists, urban forests, everybody working in this field uh, should not uh, fear back or not be afraid of communication and policy. Uh, we should really engage in those arenas and be part of governance and decision making. Uh, we have the knowledge, we have the expertise. So we, uh, as I say, we should not be afraid to, to be part of that, because otherwise I think it will be very difficult to advocate some of the benefits of the urban forest. Well, it's a it's a good point. I think it's a it's a challenge for everybody, though, because uh, in many cases it's something that has to be done as an addition to your other role. So, until such time as we're positioned where we have you know uh, people who are are charged with doing these mm. tasks, which we would like to see done, it's going to be a big effort. But we should all carry on with it. So, thank you very much. As always, it's been a pleasure to speak with you. Thanks very much, Philip.